turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Well, I want to welcome you guys to another Monday edition of Lifeline. If we can, if we can make this work, uh, it's August 24th, 2020. And uh, we have entered into some really interesting weather here. I'd love to say welcome to another sunny day filled with all sorts of uh, delightful vitamin D for our bodies, but unfortunately god decided to demonstrate his power in nature and uh and disrupt if you will and inconvenience our lives with a weather pattern last week a uh, a system of lightning and thunder i'm sure you guys were awakened to it as much as i was uh early i think it was like monday morning yes i think it was about monday morning and uh it just took me all the way back to the to the Midwest and to the South, uh, Texas and Alabama and Florida, uh, just spectacular manifestation of God's power in the thunder and in the lightning as well. Um, early in the morning, uh, just woke me up and tried to capture some pictures. And then I take some videos of it. I don't know about you. It kind of brought about a nostalgic uh, experience of, of spending much time in the South with my grandparents but in the wake of that, what happened shortly thereafter, which was also bizarre, as we are all now presently dealing with a Bay Area filled with smoke and uh, uh, created for us over the last seven or eight days, if not a little bit more, conflagrations, fires all over this northern California and in Southern California as well. Uh, this outbreak of fire. Some of it, I suppose, is due to the lightning, and uh, I'm not real sure what all the other fires are about. Not sure if we had, um, you know, uh, individuals that were creating fires and uh, arsonists, if you will. But we have had over the last seven or eight, ten days, have we not? Just a very apocalyptic type of um, invasion of our normalcy. Uh, and, and isn't that something on top of already dealing with seven to eight months now? Yes, eight months of the COVID invasion. So we've been dealing with COVID, which has been massively intrusive in our lives. We have been dealing with social unrest, which has been even more substantially uh, inflicting, uh, you know, struggles and instability and, and, and uh, trauma and all kinds of uh, uh, divisive, both politically and socially, uh, unrest in our society over the last seven or eight months. Uh, people are ill. People are unemployed. Uh, people are in holding patterns. I'm sure you are aware of that if yourself um, are not among those who have been uh, impacted economically by virtue of this COVID situation. And now this, to, um, to find ourselves engaged in 
these kinds of what has become normal, hasn't it? Fires almost every season now really impacting the way we breathe. I mean, every time we have a fire locally and the uh, and the contamination of our air uh, invades our space, it just really causes me to be really thankful for the whole concept of uh, clean air. Uh, uh, air air quality that is of sig- such nature that you and I often take it for granted, don't we, that we could breathe fresh, clear, clean air that's not polluted by toxins or emissions or even the natural catastrophe of, uh, of, uh, of fires. Uh, breathing is absolutely important. Uh, being able to breathe healthy air is critical to our overall holistic health, and yet here we are, aren't we? We are we're being challenged at some of the most basic levels. Just quite a fascinating set of circumstances that we are under, and and I really would want to encourage all of you that are listening to the program. If you're listening, uh, to, to it's hard, but you're going to have to try to remain objective and and keep your head level. Um, develop the kind of survival skills that that are required to um you know to get through this keep your head low uh stay inside as much as possible uh, if you don't have air conditioning you're going to have to crack your windows the boy that that has its own limited benefits and comfort because you may get fr- you may get air but it's not going to be all that fresh so i get that that's 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 tough for all of us here in Casco Valley the air is definitely uh, uh, there's, there's definitely uh, smog in the air. It's overcast and and very uh, climatically uh, induced. It, it doesn't look good at all. Hasn't looked good for several days. We had some clearing up on Sunday morning, which was quite a joy. Uh, what we have been able to do at Grace in, in San Leandro, actually in Hayward now, is, is worship. We've been worshiping outside uh, until last Sunday. Last Sunday was absolutely uh, interesting because we had a weather pattern that, that came our way Sunday morning, and then, uh, uh, yeah, that's what it was. It was Sunday morning. So it's Saturday night we had that, that, that weather system that came by, I'm sure, that's right. And Sunday morning, we worshiped outside as was our normal case because we have access on our facilities to be able to do that. Uh, but we had wind gusts and, uh, and some, uh, some, a little bit of precipitation. And, uh, and the next thing we know, we we're dealing with smoke and, uh, and the kind of smog that comes with the smoke uh, that now has lasted for, for some uh, nine or ten days. And so, yeah something to be prayed about, something to carefully look at in terms of will this be a normalcy pattern for us in California? If it, if it does, ladies and gentlemen, then welcome to the, uh, the lack of competency level on the part of our politicians in Sacramento. They play a, a legitimate role as to how to manage our state, uh, the combination of our roads and our uh our our foliage and, and hills and 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 all of that our trees and 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 and, and the energy issue because we had an uh, an outage uh in several areas of the bay area last week too and uh governor uh, newsom talked about wanting to cut out 
our power if we're not careful because we, we, we cut back several years ago on nuclear power uh, and also um, just, uh, you know, uh, uh, electrical power, trying to uh, invest in solar power to help us kind of manage the future because, you know, the whole idea is about progressing into the future with more of a, of a, a green-type uh, um, worldview, as you know. Um, let's go green, but the reality is is that California is so filled with so many projects, so many businesses, so many homes, so many things that require the fuel, the electricity, the the energy that solar energy has not been able to adequately address, and uh, the governor actually admitted that about eight days ago, and I was uh, I was surprised that he did, but he recognizes that. Uh, if California is going to end up becoming what it used to be a leading state in the area of um, of the world, then we better we better make some real serious changes as to what kind of policies we're going to implement if we want to try to create a smart state, which was the term that our uh, you know our our elites were using back in the middle '90s, smart life and a smart world and goals 2000 and smart this. And smart that, and you know, you come to discover things don't turn out the way that you want them to turn out. Because a lot of times, between theory and reality, between theory and reality, we discover major levels and major gaps of uh, of truth. And uh, and then we have to go back to the drawing board. And, and in some cases, that's what we're going to be doing here in California. Quite frankly, if we if we are not careful to watch, ladies and gentlemen, to see what takes place in the next couple of years, what what policies are going to be advanced, what what changes are going to occur in California, you're going to be extremely surprised at how uh, deficient our government will be and how. Uh, broken our system will be, and we're already experiencing that more and more every year here in the Bay Area. On top of that, where is our world going, uh, you know, after racism? Because racism now is the big push, as you all know. We've all been in the middle of that fray and dialogue and debate around racism and that narrative and, and the conflicts that are occurring with it. Uh, I myself have had uh, a very open and vocal opposition to some of the narratives that have been positing theories that I don't think are healthy, good, wise, right, true, and certainly in many cases not biblical. Uh, And and to some degree, uh, Christians have been able to capture what I'm saying. But I'm also looking way ahead. I'm looking way ahead after the racism narrative has been used as a Trojan horse to bring in this next major uh, neo-Marxist cultural change, uh, what what do we have to look for then? Well, I can tell you, if we settle down and get back to politics, it's going to be transgenderism as a central figure of argumentation, implementation, and ideology, as it already is in your school systems. And then here's the next one. Post-genderism is coming after transgenderism. So, you know, we can argue and cry and and, and bemoan about the injustices of racism, but I'm telling you that that wind is going to blow by quickly. You're going to be dealing with transgenderism as a major conflict impacting all of this intersectionality argumentation that's presently taking place. But the whole goal is a post-gender society. I talked about this years ago, the androgynous man. 
and artificial intelligence is going to play a significant role in advancing that too. So you really do want to understand these things because they have a definite biblical prophetic implication behind them relative to man's exaltation to a godlike status. And I know I might sound like I'm coming from some kind of fiction-oriented uh, uh, novel, but, but, but I'm not. All you have to do is do just a little research on post, a post-gender society, and you'll realize that they've been talking post-genderism all the way back to fem, uh, feminine studies several decades back. And, and because of technology, we are moving in a direction. We are moving in a direction that is quickly uh, embracing wholeheartedly in, in a very deceptive way a postmodern framework of thinking that uh, is seeking to unravel any kind of biblical worldview, how the Bible speaks about the origin of man, the nature of man, the biological genetic makeup of man, the will of God for humanity is definitely on the chopping blocks. And you may not see it because of the way that these particular political issues are framed, but it is. And at some point, if the believer does not wake up and do what the Word of God says, prove all things, prove all things, and hold fast to that which is good, <clears throat> there is going to be a major shaking of the souls of men and dismantling them from the uh, truth of God's Word so that um, you're going to succumb to another narrative. And it's important for us to work through these things. And so... This is the Monday edition of Lifeline, your host, Jesse Gistan, just kind of glad to be in a kind of calm space, not too cool, not too, not too hot, uh, a little breeze in front of my computer, if you will, but uh, having some uh, breathing, uh, historically breathing issues myself, I just don't particularly care for all this uh, smoke but glad to be with you. My number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Love to hear from you. Love to hear your questions, your uh, comments, your observations. Let's see if we can make this a conversation piece for the next hour and, ha- and a half on the Monday edition of Lifeline. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got two lines open, one 367 I just kind of opened up and just talked about our Bay, Bay Area condition uh, in terms of the uh, smoke and uh, the weather patterns that seem to become uh, more consistently over the last couple of years. Fires are are becoming something of significant concern for most of us because we, we, we remember a time when we would simply hear about fires in the far distant uh, upper northern area of California, but now they're right around the corner, and they are down the street, and they are becoming voluminous in terms of numbers, and they are impacting us personally. And uh, it, it's something that we have to, we have to be careful about, and, and folks – across the nation. Some other states are having the same kind of uh, outbreaks of, uh, of, of fire hazards, and we want to keep all of them in prayer as well as, our, as ourselves. Again, two lines up in one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. if you want to have a conversation just to keep me company for the next hour and 30 minutes, that would be great. Um, we have just witnessed over the course of last week the DNC, uh, the Democratic National Conference, 
And uh, it was very unconventional, uh, to say the least. Uh, but for me, it was, it was somewhat insightful. I, I gained a lot of insight into um, uh, a, a number of things that they were attempting to try to accomplish that uh, I think they did a pretty good job for their overall audience. Um, and uh, and it, it, given all of the limitations that went into uh, not being able to have an in-house and present uh, sort of uh, convention that that generally holds thousands of people and, and public speakers that we could uh, listen to and to determine what they have to say. Uh, I must admit the Democratic Party is really an eclectic group of people that uh, that it, it actually has an extremely interesting and to some degree alarming uh, composite to it. If, if you want to be honest about it, I see very clear and hardline leftist, uh, very open and, um, uh, you know, blatant Marxist. They know they are. Uh, and then socialists who are progressives leaning into that same uh, situation with a handful of moderate uh, Democrats. And then you've got Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who are supposed to be running for the office of presidency. And just to warn you, Christians who are biblical believers, you can be sure that um, as they have explicitly laid out in their policies, if they get in, uh, things are going to be a challenging uh, a, a challenging world for four years for believers because there is no real sympathetic uh, uh, disposition on the part of the left for Christians. And there are a lot of policies in the Democratic platform. If you go to the uh, 2020 Democratic platform, you can read hundreds and hundreds of promises that they're making uh, to uh, implement in uh, our nation. And they have serious, serious economic tax uh, and sociological implications, as well as for those of us who are believers, theological implications that we're going to have to deal with. So um, you might want to just kind of grow up in that area because it's certainly going to occur. Things will not uh, will not will not be well, in my opinion. And I'm hoping that I am able to live through it. Should that happen? Uh, one of the things I, I'm very much aware about, uh, from the standpoint of my teaching, uh, for many of you guys who listen. You know, I, I kind of stand as an anomaly in many cases with, with uh, the worldviews that are a consensus in our culture and a consensus in our society. Uh, I have what is considered personally a healthy skepticism of anything that comes within the framework of a larger majority consensus. I just believe that you really need to vet and, and really analyze the, the premises upon which certain narratives are positive. You need to really examine historically where they come from and where they're going before you simply jump on the bandwagon. And I think biblically we're called to do that, and when we're not, we're, we're sinning against God, and we open ourselves up to be duped, which has happened for the church, as well as uh, uh, politics is the most diabolical system on the planet. You all know that. You all are aware of it, whether you want to agree with it or not. Um, and, and I think that in the years to come, the, the not-too-distant years to come, we're going to be facing some very serious, serious problems if we don't learn how to think well and become completely rooted in a biblical worldview. Your Bible is under threat, whether you know it or not, and your, your profession of faith is as well. It's very easy to find yourself in the same place that national Israel found itself 
working against the explicit will of God because we were biblically illiterate, <clears throat> uh, notwithstanding what kind of uh, political parties that we are a part of. So I've got two lines open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Love to just hear what you hear, your thoughts, hear what you're feeling. You want to argue, debate. We can talk a little bit. Really don't mind. Let me go to line number uh, two and talk with Dan and Sonoma. Dan, are you there? Yes, I wanted to call because of the topics that you've been raising for three or four weeks now. I wanted to call in someday and address this because I was in my getting my uh, BA degree at the university, and I was already meeting my ethnic studies requirement, but I decided it might be wise for me to take the multicultural course, which is uh, African-American studies. And I wanted to tell you what the experience was like and discuss with you whether that would be a random sample or whether that would be a trend that would be pretty much um, predictable. Sure. But they had a favor, PA there. Uh, My professor there was Jim Gray. I don't know if people have heard of him or not, but sure. he was pretty well known up here in Marin City and came up to uh, mm-hmm. Ronert Park to teach us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he got a TA who was playing a song, a hip-hop song, a rap song about all N-word. Mm-hmm. And then one day, Professor Gray wasn't there, and the TA was. And he was asking us who were in attendance in the course about why the F word was used in the song. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't really satisfied with our answer unless we used the word. You know, he, you know, he said, I'm not clear on what you're saying. And he kept repeating, I'm not clear on what you're saying. Because if you know that particular song is talking about uh, children and uh suffering and pain, and then it's talking about uh, the kid grows up and he's got a girlfriend and maybe some of the kids are after their mother, you know, mother F word and blah, blah, blah. Sure. And uh, I was wondering how we might be a little bit proactive in addressing this as an issue, because now there's a bill in the United, in in California to require uh ethnic studies for all students. And I don't really understand, since on my German major, you already had to meet the ethnic study requirement, but now they want to require all students who are getting a BA to pass the ethnic studies section, if that bill passes. Right, so here's what I want to do, because of time's sake, it's a very pertinent question. I'm going to make an observation, Dan, then we're going to take a break, and after we pay some bills, I'm going to come back with you, and we're going to finish up the dialogue. This here is just called flooding, flooding, flooding. I've been teaching this, and I'm sure if you've been keeping up with me, uh, out of the mouth of the dragon, Revelation chapter 12, he spewed a flood, a flood, in order to carry away the woman uh, uh, who, who was with child, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the woman is the church, and, uh, and, and uproot her from a biblical worldview so that she does not stand rooted and grounded in her identity. And the flood that the enemy is using today is the flood of, um, of what is called the critical race theory argument. Now, this is the fourth one down the line. First it was critical theory, then it was critical feminist theory, then it was, uh, critical gender theory, and now is is critical race theory. Even though race theory practically was before gender theory, 
it actually uh, usurped gender theory to become kind of the larger political framework under which, that is critical race theory, under which now everybody now is kind of being filtered through this narrative to buy into certain assertions and assumptions and arguments and historical assessments and reframing of facts that have gone on historically in order to change people's minds about um, uh, what we would call essentially a biblical worldview or a historically based fact scientifically based fact reality of existence and is using the the fundamental pessimism of a of a marxist uh uh binary argument of the oppressor versus the oppressed and this model of oppressor oppressed is attacking everything from the male female uh, relationship that is what we call the battle of the sexes is old but and, and it was funny but it's not funny today and then it started attacking if you will the family orientation, the, the hierarchy of, of husbands over wives, it was old, but it's not funny today because it's taking on more serious issues. Then it entered into the, the issue of male-female, the gender issue, and this is where we have the spectrum from heterosexual all the way to transgender and beyond now, and, and, and this is where the ethnic studies uh, are coming in to actually create a premise for um, uh, guilt through racism and abuse and oppression to move us away from uh, a biblical worldview. And I'll have more to say about that after this break. I want to pay some bills so that we aren't uh, dealing with a thousand commercials. And we'll come back and have a little bit more of a chat about this. But I'm glad you're talking about it because everybody that's honest is aware that they're being flooded with these diabolical notions of of humanity that do not correspond with biblical truth. And we're going to have to all be honest about it if we want to be saved. An honest person will not go to hell. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. We'll be right back. All right, we're back on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I was talking with Dan and Sonoma on the matter of why ethnic studies are becoming so prominent and so prevalent, and in fact, particularly in colleges, but it's happening in schools as well. I'm sure you know that, Dan, and those of you who are involved with the school systems, our secular school systems, you know that there has been a major injection into the curriculum of ethnic studies for a number of years, in fact, decades upon decades, uh, particularly African-American ethnic studies, but uh, ethnic studies abroad as well. And one of the questions that we are positing on that right now is, you know, how, how, do, how do we answer that? Well, Dan, I've got you for another segment before I let you go. Let me ask you the question. Um, when you say, you know, how do we, how do we respond to that, uh, flesh that out a little bit for me before I, make, before I make some observations or some comments on that. What do, you, what do you mean by that? What was uncomfortable about that experience that you feel that we, we need to uh, – have a, a, a cogent response to it? Well, I was given, um, I thought in my head that I had two alternatives. I could have told this uh, TA, I'm not going to use this language because I feel uncomfortable in a, as a I leader agree. about using it in my mouth or I, writing a paper about it, or I, I could have gone to the administration and reported it. I don't know which one was a better option. And I think it needs to be nuanced. If you're going to give a Christian response, you don't just attack everybody. So uh, I would suggest that you could answer that question or maybe 
something, some thoughts that you have in regard to this, whatever you might already be thinking that you would want to say. Uh, and um, yeah, a couple. I'm sorry. Go down. Or what? Or what your reaction is to the rap song that I was mentioning because it was a a, okay. a song that was published back then. Sure. First of all, on the first one, well, everybody knows that it's done enough college to know that sometimes, and, and we just did a series, we, not a series, but we did a program at Grace about three Fridays ago on navigating college. This is not for you, Dan, but this is for the larger audience of believers who may be struggling with whether or not they even want to put their kids in college, which is a great question to ask, quite frankly, because if you're talking about wanting to watch your children go in thinking one way, coming out thinking another way, and what I mean by thinking another way, definitely not thinking godly, just drop them off at college and leave them there and watch what you get when they come out. Uh, and this is almost all colleges, although I want to make a, uh, an exception to that to that statement. But going back to what you're talking about, TA is a uh, is a, an assistant to to the teacher. That's the term TA. And the TA, uh, some of them are smart enough to know not to veer too far from the uh, curriculum and mode of teaching of, of the regular prof or, 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 um, or uh, educator in that class. But sometimes TAs will, they'll fill, fill their own oats and begin to, you know, kind of take on a more maverick uh, pathway. And it sounds like that's what happened with this particular TA, uh, Dan. He, he or she, whomever they were, obviously they were African-American, and they wanted to push the envelope with a kind of freedom of perverse speech. This is what I would call it, freedom of perverse speech. And I've been teaching this concept for a long time. You've heard me say it. I'll say it again for the good of what I consider an overall collapsing in America. Freedom without virtue is a curse. Uh, I love freedom. We should have freedom. But freedom to do whatever you want to do is not freedom. It's anarchy and self-destructive, and it fundamentally operates out of the pit of hell. It is a child of the devil, <clears throat> so that any kind of freedom is not good freedom. When you look at our world and see how it has morphed into all of these blasphemous, perverse expressions of human existence, it's no wonder uh, a TA could get up in a classroom, uh, play a rap song, or sing a rap song with the level of uh, profanity that is emitted through uh, much of the music that's not censored, and then expect the students to just take their clothes off, if you will, psychologically, and jump into that cesspool of vomit and somehow engage the TA. Well, if it were my child, if you were my son or my daughter, uh, and you were asking me, Dad, how should I engage that, the first thing I would do is I would make sure that I got the whole clip of that song uh, and, 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 and put that clip in a written form or textualize that clip uh, uh, verbatim, uh, um, uh, repeat what the teacher expected of me, requested of me, and in some ways demanded of me, demonstrate that what he wanted me to do was not to speak in uh, other terms, but specifically uh, speak identically to uh, what was stated uh, by him in terms of engaging in profanity, which is not something that believers do uh, in any kind of random or free fashion. Prof profanity is an uh, indicator of a lack of intelligence, 
largely, particularly when it's part of a common parlance or part of people's normative vocabulary. It is rooted in uh, anger uh, and in emotional instability, uh, and it is not good for the believer. Every believer knows what I'm saying is absolutely true, uh, notwithstanding, as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, evil communication corrupts good manners. So if you're around people that are perverse, around people that uh, are profane, and, and you end, end up frequenting that dialogue with them, you're going to actually descend into that same kind of speech, uh, because how can two walk together except they be agreed? Then I would actually have reported that, not to the professor in that class, but to the school. I would have went to the authorities, uh, HR, uh, whatever the administration that controls the policies for that school and let them know that um, I was problematically concerned, if not seriously offended by what that student did. Albeit, Dan, here's what I believe, by and large because of the massive corruption of colleges around our nation and everybody that really is, again, who wants their eyes to be open and are walking with open eyes, they already know that what I am saying and what you're talking about happens to be common in school. So that answers your other question about is this an anecdotal story versus a, a common experience. It's a common experience in so many of the colleges that have collapsed up under a postmodern framework of existence, which is a kind of perversion of reality and, and distorting reality by the implementation of these kind of ghettoized, uh, if you will, uh, modes of, of, uh, of study and curriculum, thinking that it's, it's, it's helpful to the student. Nothing could be further from, from the truth. And so uh, a student is going to have to be discreet wise, but uh, you cover yourself by letting the school, the, the authorities that have something to do with it, know particularly what occurred. Um, or you just let the wind blow like a lot of students do, Dan. What they do is they just kind of put their head down, do their work at a minimal level, and keep it moving. This is what several of my kids have done. This is what several of the college students that have graduated that I've talked to and several of them have done. They just got into the cesspool of school, kept their identity in Christ, kind of operated under the radar, got in and got out, and, uh, and washed up under the word of God, washed up under prayer, washed up by seeking good counsel from healthy upline and, uh, and have kept it moving. Let me give you the last word before, uh, before we take a break. Thank you. That was uh, totally adequate. Oh, appreciate good, it. Good. Is that it, my brother? Yeah. Yeah. You have a good evening. Right, and uh, we're, we're not suffering too much from the weather but we did have some people in uh, Vacaville who lost their property and need to replace it now if they're insured. So yeah, no, yeah. These, are, going on. In, these, these things are increasing. All right, man, keep the faith. Listen, I'm going to take another break. It's the Monday edition of Lifeline. We've got two lines open, one 5329 uh, Mark, you hold on. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Ken and San Jose, you hold on, and we'll continue after this break. We'll be right back. We are back to time 552. Let's go to line number uh, number two and talk with Mark. Let's talk, uh, line number four, Mark in San Jose. Mark, are you there? And I'm really glad you're open. 
and uh, Calvary Chapel here in San Jose and John MacArthur there. And I'm just encouraging Christians. I was at the home church a few minutes ago, and they want to open up. The people want to open up, but the uh, the leaders, I'm telling you, you know, they need to have trust, just trust in God and, and open up. I mean, President Trump, they've been at Calvary Chapel, they've been open, I believe, since President Trump opened it up, you know, four months ago. And uh, which one? So, which one is that, Mark? Which one is that? Calvary, where? Calvary Chapel, there on uh, Almaden and Hillsdale in San Jose. Okay, okay, San Jose. Okay, and they've been open up since uh, we, since uh, President Trump basically gave the affirmation that local churches should be operating out of their constitutional rights. Right. Right. And uh, Mike I, was saying that uh, the district attorney, they keep on calling him and. Uh, he said, look, you know, God says the, uh, you know, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And we're, we're just, we're not trying to be rebellious, but we, we're, we're obeying God. And the district attorney told him, look, I, I want you to open up. I'm just telling you, I have to tell you, these are the orders from the governor which uh, right. every Christian needs to be signing that petition to impeach uh, Newsom, everyone. This mandatory vaccine they're talking about, Jesse, has liability exemptions. Think about that. A mandatory I vaccine know. with ability exemptions? Right. Hello? This is the next battle. This is the big battle that's coming up next, Mark. Um, this one is the big battle that's coming up next. I was basically talking to the audience about uh, the trajectory of our political uh, 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 condition, um, particularly, uh, and I'm not sure if it will happen under under Trump, if Trump gets back in, or it will certainly happen under Biden if he were to get in. But, yes, the next big battle that everyone is going to be dealing with is compulsory vaccines, not only here in America, but all around the world. Uh, and people can stick their head in the sands. But this one here will be on a par with the language that we're starting to develop in Revelation chapter 13, verse 16 and 17. Uh, this is something I'm going to be teaching not this week coming, but next week coming for several weeks, unpacking how the uh, state becomes so uh, powerful and blasphemous that it imposes upon the citizens its own edicts in order to force the citizens to mimic it. And these kind of fascist controlling edicts um, are, are, is something that the church has had to face for many, many, many uh, 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 centuries, and it's coming right around the corner. And quite frankly, here's what's going to happen. If, if what has happened with the COVID thing, uh, Mark, hap, uh, is, a, is an indicator, most people are going to succumb to what the government says because uh, they don't have really a critically discerning faith. They have what is called a convenience faith. And what I mean by that, don't mean to be offensive, but the Bible calls for both a, uh, a, a, a prudent faith, it calls for a reasonable faith, but it also calls for a radical faith, and a radical faith requires a kind of sacrificing of oneself for the convictions of its identity in God and in Christ that does not allow anyone else to usurp authority over it. And this is what's going to be challenged here uh, after, uh, after the COVID thing kind of subsides or when once they've uh, acquired approval for this vaccine, you're going to find people toppling over 
to take the vaccine. The problem is exactly what you stated, though, Mark, and that is this vaccine will have very injurious components to it. It will harm people. It will cause people to be sick. It may even do other very, very diabolical things like impact people's DNA. As uh, as um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been fighting with his own institution to warn the world about for decades now, and the major media outlets will not hear him because big pharmaceutical is just so powerful in the uh, world of politics and in the world of media that people don't know. Now, they can know if they wanted to do their own research, be prudent, and search these matters out. They could know if they wanted to for themselves what they're about to sign up for if they capitulate. But if they don't, they're going to stick their head in the sand, reach their arm out, and be plugged into by something that will have significant, significant control over the quality of our life from here on out if we don't vet this thing. Kennedy also mentioned that the vaccines that Bill Gates has given in Africa have killed more people than they saved. So I'm really glad the president put uh, Kennedy up there. And what is his office? Hold on. What? When did when did the president put? How was how was Robert Kennedy Jr. used by the president? Because I didn't know that. Oh yeah, Robert F. Kennedy came out and said that Bill Gates's vaccines that he's no, given to the I know that. people in Africa. I know that. I know that. But how was Kennedy? How was Trump using Kennedy? I thought he had some office. Didn't no, Trump no, give him some so. office in the government? No, I don't think so. Okay. I wish he did, but I don't think so. But but if people are watching, if people are listening, if you really want to begin your journey of understanding the danger of the vaccines, uh, apart from the uh, this new model of implementation and control over American citizens beyond our constitutional rights, really go online, look up Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. and vaccines, and he is a stellar uh, educator, lawyer, fighter for, for, for the rights of Americans around this, and your eyes will be opened to the danger that's right around the corner from us on that particular uh, subject matter. Is there anything else yeah. you wanted to say before I take a break? Uh, do I, uh, yes, I do. I have a lot to say. First of all, well, we can't. Don't we, take, you only got one don't wear, What's that? Hello? You only got one Don't one wear minute. the mask. Don't wear the mask. Hello? Take your mask off. Don't wear the mask. Hello? Mark, Mark. Nobody's listening to you on that, man. Well, listen, maybe they will. I told 150 people about your show in the last 30 minutes. That's so easy to do. Just go up and make make a fool of yourself and say, excuse me, tune your radio to 1100 now. There's a talk show on. And if the Democrats get in, they're going to take away the fairness doctrine. There'll be no more talk radio. Tune your radio to KFAX 1100 now. That's what I did. What? Yeah, well, that might be the case, but I don't think so. Listen, don't tell people to take their mask off. Tell them they can take their mask off if they want to. You can't tell them to do that. Okay. But yeah, listen, anyhow, this listen. is the thing. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Um, huh. You got 30, there's you an got 30 independent, seconds. Okay. There's an independent Baptist preacher, fifth-generation independent Baptist preacher named Stacy Shiflett. 
And he wrote a book called Wolves Among Lambs. And I was going to give you that the last time Steam Master was cleaning your carpets, if you remember. And I hope you guys listening uh, read that book, Wolves Among Lambs, because uh, <laughs> I've only got 30 seconds, hey, so I can't get though, into Mark? it. But get your Mark. copy today. Mark, Mark, that's a, you know what, though? Can I tell you something? I'll tell you something. Yeah, yeah i got to let you go. Um, the, the problem with, with a lot of our, our American citizens is that they're flooded with so much data and so much information that is not good that they don't know how to detect the very important issues that have to do with their children and have to do with their own well-being. It's such a sad reality. I know this for a fact. The subject matter that you're about to get into, which really is going to be another major uh, exposure within probably a year or two, which has to do with the pedophilia that's growing around our world. A lot of us already know it, but people have their head in the sand. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with it because it's not happening necessarily to them or it's not happening to someone that's close in their family. But quite frankly, it probably is happening to someone close in their family and they are not, they're not uh, willing to admit it. Uh, this will come out soon enough. And if it has some, legitimate reason for alarm we will have that discussion but uh quite frankly um it'll probably have to first come from the president before people will pick up on this alarming uh dangerous devolution into the next level of canaanite cultural manifestation listen thank you for the call i gotta take a hard break listen uh king you hold on and dana you hold on i've got two lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We'll be right back. 